So for those of you that know me, um, those of you that don't, maybe don't know me as well as some do, um, I will say that this is very unusual for me, very un- probably not the most comfortable thing. I'm used to taking the pulpit and talking about Jesus and coming up here to talk about myself is not exactly something that I want to do nor I'm comfortable doing, but uh, for, for the honor of the moment, I will do my best to share a few areas of acknowledgement that I feel like I have to at least address um, before, obviously, I'm ordained. I'd like to thank everyone that all of my friends and family um, that came out to support me today. Um, it means a lot for each of you guys to be here. Um, but as far as officially to, to give you guys some history and some insight on kind of where I'm at um, and then looking forward, uh, there's three areas that I'd like to acknowledge this morning for each of you. Um, and that is the areas of heritage, providence, and vision. Um, so some of you know me real well enough to know that my family um, is a little unique in the fact that I grew up in a ministry lifestyle. Um, so as I, as I officially go into ministry um, full-time as an ordained minister, I kind of see a culmination of kind of all the little pieces along the way. I have family, immediate family, extended family that have definitely um, influenced me in positive, in positive lights. And uh, growing up with m- my mom and dad and sister, uh, playing an instrument wasn't really an option. Um, going to church wasn't really an option. Whether you participated, whether you closed your eyes when people were praying, like all of these things, they, they were not options. They were just things that that's what you do. This is the respect. This is the, the things that are important, the family values. And uh, these are all things that were very important for me. Um, to be able to have family that were part of the church um, full-time, all the time, wide open um, in my extended family and immediate family was a huge deal for me, um, just having that type of importance. Even when I got away from the Lord, I was never really away like I could have been. Um, it was more of just like, well, I want to try my own thing for a while, but it was never, there was never any doubt, never any question of of is God real? Does God care about me? Just because even from a young child, this was all I knew. This was my lifestyle. Um, also, it's, it's interesting if, if those of you that know my family, I feel like considering my generation, it's kind of an anomaly, the fact that I grew up in an understanding of the power of the gospel. Um, you hear pastor preach often talk, talking about the miracles and the signs and wonders and, and the many things that took place through the country's history. And I was blessed to be able to grow up in a family that had, <clears throat> sorry, I'm going to try to keep it together, personal testimonies of these types of, of miraculous things happening and, and, and really the, the power of God being on display. Um, a few things that even happened in my own life, but, but I know for my generation, so much of them have, have enough time accepting God as a, as a, as a as a fundamental level of, of, of who is God and kind of this foundational issue where, for me, I was such, such a, uh, in a blessed position to be able to see not only that God was real, but that God would manifest himself in your day-to-day life, that, that he cared about you, that he would do things that would just blow you away and say, 
well, why? What, you know, what's, what's, the, what's the purpose of this? And the fact is that God is love. God does not you know, have to have a reason for why he blesses you, for why he intervenes in your life in certain situations. Um, finally, also the prophetic word that was just uh, declared over my life. Um, even, I don't know, probably high school, when I officially, <clears throat> officially had told myself, I had told my dad, told everybody, <clears throat> I had told him I would not preach the gospel. I said, Dad, I can go to church. I can do. I can do X, Y, and Z, but I will not preach the gospel. <clears throat> I believe I was graduated from high school at the time when I was in California uh, with my extended family in, in, in Los Angeles in, in church. And towards the middle of the service, uh, I was called forward and and. Basically, my adoptive adoptive granddad, he, he declared over me, he said, not only will you serve God, but you will preach the gospel. And it wouldn't be for a few years later that I would surrender. I wouldn't surrender for a few years. But even then, those prophecies were things that caused me to know that there was more outside of my life than what I want to control. A lot of times we want to be in control of everything, like our emotions. <laughs> but oftentimes, there's things out there that are outside of your control, like your call, what you were created to do. <clears throat> and for that reason, I believe that my heritage is incredibly important. We're all, we're all poured into by a lot of people. All the people sitting here that come back to, to see me today and to support me, they have all poured into my life in some way, my family. <clears throat> but if it was not for the way I was raised, my upbringing, I can say without it that I would not be here right now. <clears throat> my past is extremely important. My present where we're at right now, the providence of God is also an extremely important part of this day, an important part of going forward to understand where we're at right now. I share this with you because I feel like my life in, in Bethel, is, it's, it's very much joined. It's, it's very much a, a unique experience. I'm very thankful for my wife. No. Um, God has blessed me to, um, to meet and to grow together in love and, and be with the one that he made for me and that I was made for. Um, <clears throat> if you know the two of us, we've been very unique, tr- transparent. Um, I was talking to her yesterday, and she said kind of stupid, um, silly, um, just, just a, a God relationship where... We can see each other for who we are. We know each other, um, and we absolutely want the best for each other. I would not be able to do what I do without Christy. Uh, she is an incredibly important aspect of the ministry, and even though I'm the one being ordained this morning, um, I'm very thankful for God. <clears throat> not only putting her into my life, but, but me recognizing that, to be able to come into it with the right mentality, 
uh, <clears throat> I think the most important thing is that her Christ-likeness, the fact that she emulated Christ, was what drawn me to her, was what, was what caught my attention. And if it wasn't for that, um, I think we would totally be in, in different spots right now. I'm thankful for this church. I'm thankful for the fact that God brought me to where I needed to be. Uh, my dad had encouraged me to go meet uh, Pastor Don Westbrook when I first got to college, and, and I wasn't quite ready to get involved in church. I wasn't quite ready to, uh, to, to, to go out and meet him. I wasn't ready to get out of my comfort zone yet. I was comfortable going to class now and then and paying attention to sports and being in the Wolfpack Club and all the things that, you know, the college kid, maybe not all the things, but, you know, some of the freedom that the college kid wants to do um, and, and enjoy that independence. And so it, it maybe did not happen as quick as it could have, but I know that God's timing um, is perfect. And, and looking back on it, the three and a half years, four years that, that I've, I've known you guys has been incredible and incredible experience, incredible journey. Um, and I know that God's providence and the way God kind of is just sovereign over all things is incredibly important. And I want to recognize that and thank God for how he has directed my life. And the fact that this church is an incredibly healthy church. It's an, it's, it has sound doctrine. It has, and I'll talk about that a little more in a second, but it has balance. It has um, people that love God with their whole heart. And, and that's, what a, that's what the church of Christ is supposed to be. And and I'm incredibly thankful that God put me in a place to where I'd not only step into ministry and grow and get to learn how to love on kids and love on parents. And it's in a place where I can do that with safety and and security, where there's not people trying to cut your throat. Um, And that's an incredibly important thing, because growing up how I have, I know that that's not always the case. Finally, as I speak to you this morning about the incredible opportunity that um, is here. In being ordained as a minister of the gospel, I feel like I'd be completely amiss if I did not leave you with vision, leave you with the values that I feel like, not only that my ministry, but that ministry in general should encompass. And as we're here partnering in this ministry at Bethel, I feel like we all must be on the same page when it comes to ministry. Um, and so I want to leave you with three things um, that encompass the future vision that, that I have. Um, and I know pastor shares these, these same three things as well. The first being sound doctrine. Sound doctrine is the reason I'm, I'm going to school, the reason I'm going to, um, I'm continuing my education to pursue a Master of Divinity degree at Regent University. And, and that is, it's important to have the Bible and it's important to understand doctrine, but yet it's important to keep that intact. And sound doctrine is biblically based. Sound doctrine may not always be what you want to hear. Sound doctrine are things that are completely gospel-centric, that the gospel is at the middle of each and every aspect of your doctrine. And when it comes to a question of, well, is this in or out, we go back to the Bible. And the Bible is the rule book for what stays in and what stays out. And it's so easy, I feel like so often the church gets divided and and caught up on things that are not central to the gospel. And I want sound doctrine to be the most pivotal aspect of vision going forward. Because I feel like without sound doctrine, it's easy to have all the right intentions, but it's easy to get way off track. Um, 
So I want to share that with you that, that this morning. Know that, that the ordination process is a process. This is, this is something where even if I'm, if I'm ordained today, the learning does not stop. The, the, the checking and then the balances, those do not stop. You have to continually be in God's word, continually be in the fellowship of believers to talk about these things, to make sure that you're still growing in Christ. Because otherwise, if we're stagnant, if we just are sitting, treading water, we're, we're, we're not good for the ministry we've been called for. Okay? And so that is the first and foremost aspect of vision. The second aspect of vision is, and is honestly the mission statement of the church, transforming lives to Christ. The fact that lives must be transformed. Um, and honestly, if, if ministry is not about transformed lives, then it's probably solely focused on numbers, buildings, lights, you know, other things that are not the gospel. And all these things are good in their due part and purpose, but yet the lives have got to emulate Christ. You've got to see that transformation. And I asked uh, Justin Williams if, if I could share this, um, and he, he gave me permission to, to share. If any of you guys know Justin Williams, uh, one of our youth, he is a, he's a very strong personality. He's a, he's a, a strong, he's, he's just, just a very strong young man. And uh, I think it was two and a half years ago, we were at a conference. It was it's called the SLAM Conference, and... Uh, it's a group of United Methodist churches, and that year Bethel Christian Center, and for a couple of years Bethel Christian Center went along with them, and they had a a group from Tennessee that travels and and uh, does a lot of mission work, and they were there preaching to us, and we would go out during the day and do service projects, um, and the very very last day uh, of that conference, um, the evening session, um, I I couldn't tell you the exact message that was preached. I know the passion that it was preached with and, and the, just the heart for Jesus that was there. And, and at the very last moment, the pastor, he said, when I say go, I want, if you're serious about this thing, if you're serious about Christ, I want you to run to the altar. I want you to hit. And it was like a wave of young people that just ran to the altar. And, and of course, you know, being the youth leader, I'm up there with them and praying for ones that are in my youth group. And I turn around and Justin's there praying for this other young man who was in our youth group at Diamond, and, and we were just praying, and as we, as we were just praying and just seeking God, and, and he, the young man's weeping, and, and then I begin to weep, and, and you know, we just you know, are just praying and, and, and believing in God. And after about five minutes or so, the young man gets up and, you know, hug him, and he leaves. And, and I look back, and Justin, who has been praying for this young man, is just sitting there, and it's just... Completely sobbing, weeping before the Lord. <clears throat> and I think it's an awesome thing because if you know Justin, you know that he's kind of a stoic individual. Um, not exactly one that you would consider um, someone who, you know, is flimsy or, or you know, he, he's, he's just a solid guy. And uh, he had a lot of stuff going on in his life. He, he had <clears throat> just all kind of circumstances that, you know, as a young man, you don't know. Oh, you know, where, where's God, you know? But in that moment, in praying for someone else, he was touched. And he just said, I'm just letting go of anger. I'm just have so much anger to let go of. And I just sat there with him. And he just, you know, wept. And, and I will say without a doubt, you can ask Christy. <clears throat> and you might be able to ask Colin and a few of the other guys in the youth group. 
But the year before that, the year that I was here prior to that year, Justin is a completely different person. He's a completely different person. He has, he has the greatest heart. He is, he is the most caring. <clears throat> he's one of the most caring guys that we have, and, and he's one of those guys that he wouldn't want you to know that. But I asked him, so he's okay that, as he, that you guys know that now. But he's, he's, just, he's just one of the, the nicest guys. And it's not just Justin. Daniel and Mark had a similar experience last summer. A complete transformation. The point of this is, this should not be just the anomaly. This shouldn't be the exception to the rule. This should be the rule. We shouldn't come in here and preach a gospel and yet see no fruit of the gospel. The power of the gospel is the power into salvation. <clears throat> salvation denotes a change taking place, a passing from death to life. I don't know about you, but I feel like death and life, they look like kind of different things. They're not, you know, they're not, there should, there should be a little bit of something that changes along with that. So know that transforming lives is important to me. Seeing that type of fruit, if we do the exact same thing every single week and no one ever is any different and there's never any change that takes place with anyone, we're not doing something right. My third and final point of my three points, heritage, providence, vision, and then finally, in the sound doctrine, transform lives. You may have heard a Cast and Crown song years ago called Life Song. It's kind of, it's kind of the same idea, but transforming lives is great, but the minister has to remember this, okay? Like, the point here is, if the minister himself does not live out that life song, then it doesn't matter how many people are one to Christ, how many people are, you know, changed and, and transformed, there's a disconnect. In September of 2014, my professor, um, a regent named Diane Chandler, prophesied over each student before we, before we went home, before we left campus. Um, she told me, she said, she said, Michael, your life will be the loudest sermon you ever preach. And I know that has been a focus of my life That's up to this point, but I have to continue to make that a focus. Just because someone becomes eloquent in the gospel or in scripture, that doesn't absolve them from living that out. That has to be number one. Because if you can't live out what you preach, your words are shallow. Your words are empty. I take... I take a high, high emphasis, high standard, high value on transparency, on being exactly who you say you are. Because you can step into this pulpit and you can put my show. You can be something, and that's great, but if that's not who you are, then you're wasting everybody's time. And I don't have time for that, and I don't want to waste anyone else's time either. So I want you to know that this is my value going forward. Christ has to be the center of everything we do, every breath we take. That has a galvanizing type of effect on the church. 
And if this church wants to become the church that Christ wants it to be, to be unified together with other churches and to, and to be a catalyst for the community, then we all have to take that. We all have to run with it. I'm excited about what Christ is going to do this year. I'm excited about this past Wednesday night. That was a powerful service. Powerful. And that doesn't happen enough. I'm thankful for pastors, thankful for each of you. Each of you that are faithful and committed to Bethel. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. Again, thank you to my family and for everyone that came out this morning. I honestly would not be here without you. I'm very appreciative. I'm thankful for God to steer me through my life and, and to this point. Because I know if it wasn't for even even a little thing like finding an apartment, you know, like just it's just little things. God has to be the middle of all your decision making, all of your everything. Otherwise, you feel like you're in control. You feel like you're the one that's pulling the strings, and we're not. This is not our show; it's His. And I'm thankful for each of you. Thank you all. Thank you, Pastor. Um, for this amazing opportunity. And I know I've probably spoke way too long, but anyway, um, that's my heart. That's where I've been in my vision going forward. Um, and I'm thankful that I get to share it with each of you. Thank you. that uh, keep hearing us talk about Wednesday night, Wednesday night was a very special evening. The fact that we had about eight to ten churches that came together. There were hundreds of people here. Blacks, whites, Hispanics. We had uh, all kind of ministry. People singing from Zimbabwe. I don't know what you sing in. Zimbabwean or whatever. But it was just a great, great time. And we thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. We appreciate everyone that participated in that. Four years ago, remember Michael coming in? Is the gentleman here that came in with you? Uh, but I remember he and another student coming in, and I look back, and I did not know him at that time, and I think this thing is going to create a problem here. Uh, if, Denny, if you get me a mic, uh, and handheld mic, I would appreciate it. Uh, it's, it's, it's making a noise. You can't hear good. It's making a rough noise, and it's bothering me. Turn, turn this one off. Turn my... Uh, I don't want to pull my... I'm not setting a training on where this robe 2015 this is for this special day. But uh, next month, Carol and I will be here 46 years. And all of our 46 years, we've never had uh, a youth pastor or youth pastors like we have with us today. And I mean that. We've had some very good youth pastors. But you don't have to wonder where Michael's coming from. He is transparent. And uh, I just really appreciate he and his wife, Christy, more than they'll ever know. 
But there is, he said, they're what they are because of mom and dad. Uh, we've been knowing Mitchell and Pam for many, many years. And uh, Pam's here, I would guess. Hey, Pam. Would you thank God for that, that lady? Would you praise God for Pam today? Wow. But this man has been preaching for many years. He's been in 40 countries, 41 countries. He's preached in churches, tents, crusades, all across America and around the world. And there have literally been thousands and thousands of people that know Christ today because of this man's ministry. And I appreciate he and his family. As far as Christy's family, I got to spend some time with her dad during the wedding. And I just really appreciated that. He is a man that uh, you can just sit down and feel comfortable to talk to. And I got to know him briefly. And these two people have some of the greatest family, parents, than anyone else in the world. I mean, they're just very, very special. These two families are special. Would you praise God for the families of Michael and Christine? What I want to do is uh, share with you briefly about uh, a sermon that uh, I talked to Brother Johnny Blake this week, and I'm, I told him I'd give him credit because he gave me this sermon. And if you do not have an outline, does anyone have, a, have uh, this? I need uh, Brother Denny or someone. I need uh, some copies because Steve's sick today. Th- oh, you, you're here. You got them? Tracy, do you have them? Uh, we want, if you don't have an outline, pr- please raise your hand. Take one because I'll probably finish this next week. I won't get a chance to, to finish it this week because our time will, will not permit. We, we, we realize the time and we certainly will go with the time. Uh, but... Uh, I really, really, really love this sermon. The title is No Go and Show. That's pretty easy, isn't it? No Go and Show. And uh, I have not been blessed like I was blessed reading the Scripture for this sermon in a long time. So I would encourage you to take these scriptures that I have listed here. And this week, in the next few days, study these scriptures. Because, we, first of all, we live in such an uncertain day today. And we start off with the word no. And I take most of the scripture from 1 John, this very small book. But in, within this book, the word no is mentioned 33 times. 33 times John uses this word. And I want to use it a few times a day here. And first of all, 
Let's read 1 John 5, 11 through 13. The Bible says, And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in who? His Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. That's pretty straightforward, isn't it? You have the Son, you have life. You don't have the Son, you don't have life. I mean, he doesn't play, John doesn't play around with these scriptures and these words. He goes on to say in verse 13, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Let me read the message, verse 13, the paraphrase. My purpose, John says, in writing, it's simply this, that you who believe in God's Son will know beyond a shadow of a doubt. Wouldn't you like to know beyond a shadow of a doubt? Let me ask you something today. If Jesus Christ would come today, or if you would die today, do you know that you have eternal life? Now, I don't know about you, but that's important to me. That's very important that I know I have eternal life. Without a shadow of a doubt that you have eternal life, the reality and not the illusion. Again, Eugene Peterson's the message that you may know that you have eternal life. Look at your notes. Certainty of salvation. You see, our relationship is not based on feeling because sometimes I don't feel like I'm saved. But I am. It is based on our relationship with the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And if you have confessed your sins and confessed the Lord Jesus Christ, the Apostle Paul says you have passed from Death, he mentioned this a while ago, death unto life. And so we have eternal life through and by the Son of God. The believers, if you read 1 John 3, 23 and 24, listen to what it says. And this is his commandment, that we should believe, notice three things, believe on the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and number two, love one another as he gave us commandment, Now he who keeps his commandments abides in him, and he in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. Do you know you have a relationship with Christ? Do you have an assurance? Is there that assurance in your heart that you know? that you have eternal life. And three things he mentions. First of all, we must believe in Jesus. Second of all, we must love one another. Amen? Let me say that again. We must love one another. That's including those that don't love us and our enemies. And number three, it is through and by the gift of God's indwelling spirit that God has given unto us. So, we have the certainty of salvation. And then in 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, read it with me. 
Now this is a confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, according to his will. It's important. He hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Somebody says, does God hear us? Does God always answer? He always answers. He either says yes or no, or you've got to be kidding. <laughs> he always answers. And we can have confidence that Jesus Christ hears us and he answers our prayer. And so when we pray, no matter how short it is or how long it is, and we're spending time in prayer these 40 days, as Brother Dan says, fasting and praying, praying and fasting. But we know when we pray, first of all, God hears us. Second of all, God will answer our prayer. Doesn't matter if we pray according to his will. And then, no, look at number three, certainty of victory. I love this. 1 John 4, 4. You are of God, little children, and, over, and have overcome them. That's the enemy. Overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Somebody say amen. amen. Understand that. Because when Jesus Christ, when we accept Jesus Christ, he comes on the inside. He is in us. The Spirit of God is in us. And so he who is in us is greater than he that is in the world. Amen. Let me read another verse along that line. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? The message says there, the conquering power that brings the world to its knees is our faith. I love that. I love that. Because the world is my and your enemy. Satan is my and your enemy. And, it's, and, and Satan and the world... The, 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 the flesh, the pride of life, all of this is trying to overcome you. But if our faith is in Jesus Christ and we trust him, that power will bring the world to its knees. Wow. Amen. So knowing. Then second of all, if we know something, see, I want Michael to know. I do. If we're going to ordain him, I want, to know, I want him to know where he stands. He sounded pretty convinced this morning, didn't he? Amen? I love that. What a presentation. But not only should Michael know, all of us should know. We should know our relationship with God is good. We should know our relationship is what it should be. But then once we know, then we're to go outside of these six or eight walls. We are to go. We are to go into all nations and teach them how to know Christ and live for him. Look at Matthew, the Great Commission, 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore. Go, therefore. No, go. I love it. It flows. 
Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on to say, Jesus does, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. No matter what you go through, no matter what you face, thank God he is always with you, always helping you to be victorious. So we know. I know I'm saved today. I know he answers prayer. I'm assured by the word of God. That is a guarantee. I mean, he guarantees you. It's better than any guarantee of the world. Amen. We're to go. The word go, look at it, is an action word, an energy word. A motivating word. Get up and move word. Then I have the illustration there in Acts chapter 8. Most of us know about the, uh, the, the uh, man of God that was told to go, Philip was, and preach to the Ethiopian. Well, he went down and he preached to the Ethiopian. We know that story, most of us. It is a great story. But the first thing and the most important thing is that an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip and said, what? Go. Go. So it's important that we go. I have on your paper one of the, one of the most interesting stories that I have heard in quite some time. It's about David Brainerd. Brainerd. Uh, I'm sorry, David Brainerd. David Brainerd is one of the most celebrated missionaries to ever share the gospel in America. His heart was burdened for the Indians of the northeastern portion of the United States. In fact, they were called the Delaware Indians. While visiting among the Indians on the banks of the Delaware, he once said, Notice this missionary. Notice his heart, his dedication. I care not where I live or what hardships I go through so that I can but gain souls to Christ. While I am asleep, I dream of these things. As soon as I awake, the first thing I think of is this great work. All my desire is a conversion of sinners. And all my hope is in God. To be real honest with you, I'd never heard of this guy before. But I googled his name and went online and I learned a lot about him. He was kicked out of Yale because he was too conservative. Because he was too on fire for God. He was sick most of his life. But he was so dedicated. He did not allow rejection. He did not allow sickness. He allowed nothing to stop him from preaching the gospel to those Indians. You see, David heard the call of God, and it said, go. So, Michael, you know. We know you know. And then the Bible says, go. We don't know where God's going to take you. Right now, he has you at Bethel. He may may challenge you to, to go and do something else. I don't know. But I know this. He's called you to go. He's called us all to go. First of all, we know. Second of all, we go. And then thirdly, we show. Church leadership demands 
Exemplary conduct. See, man. That's what he was talking about. It's what Michael was talking about this morning. Transforming lives. It's one thing to go to church. It's something else to pay your tithe. It's something else even to preach the gospel, sing in the choir, whatever we do, whatever man does. And they're doing it by the millions across America today. But how many of us, how many people live a good example so that others can see and want to follow us? And be like Christ. We must teach and lead by example. Let's read some scripture. Look at 2 Corinthians, if you will. 2 Corinthians 8.24. Therefore show them and before the churches a proof of your love and of our boasting on your behalf. Show them what you're made of. It's one thing to say it. It's one thing for me to tell Carol, I love you, Carol. It's something else for me to show her that I love. People say, I love you, church, but they don't come to church. I love you, church, but they don't give tithe and give to the church. It's important that we show forth the things that we say. Let's, look, let's read another scripture. I love, this is one of my favorite verses. And Michael, this is for you. I read, I read all of them from the New King James Version except this one. And I want you to notice what the NIV says in 1 Timothy 4 and 12. Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. Somebody say amen. Listen at me, young folks. Listen at me, young folks. Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. There's other people here got to call on their life too. I believe that. But set an example for the believers in which way? Someone says, well, you know, when they're young, they don't know any better, and they can't do this, and they can't do that. The apostle Paul challenged the young men and the young ladies to set an example in what way? First of all, in your speech. We used to hear people say, I'm going to wash your mouth out with soap. Some people's mouth needs washing out with soap if that would stop them from using certain words that they use. Somebody says, I just can't help it. I, I just, just fly off the handle sometime. First of all, you don't have a handle to fly off of. And first of all, if it's not down there, it won't come out. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. He said, setting the young man, young lady, Mom, dad, grandmother, grandfather, set an example in speech and in conduct. Live right, walk right, spit white. You, you, you and I know what that means, but folks, I just, I, you hadn't heard it in years. We used to hear it all the time. That's when people used to dip snuff. They didn't spit white, you know, uh, but you have to break it down for these young folks. They don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you know, some of them do this. And they don't spit white. So he said, that's what he said. No, we're to, we're to be an example in our speech, and we're to be an example in our conduct, and number three, in our love. Love like Jesus, in faith and in purity. What you do is you teach with your life. Amen. We're to know. We're to know where we stand. We're to know what we believe. We're to be assured 
that what we believe in is real and there is nothing any more real. You say, I can't see God. I don't know where he's at. He's real. He lives. He lives in us. We're to know, we're to go, and we're to show. True faith always results, look at your notes, in a changed life and good deeds. James will tell you about it. Boy, if anyone, any writer in the Bible will tell you about what to do. James 2 and 18, he says, But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. We talk about faith all the time. In fact, sports men and women that play sports, they, they'll get in front of the camera, thank God for my faith, thank God for my faith, thank God for my faith. And I think that's great. I appreciate every athlete that does that. But it's one thing to have, say you have faith. I like what Eugene Peterson says about that verse. He says, do you suppose for a minute that you can cut faith and works in two, T-W-O, in two, and not end up with a corpse on your hand? Because our faith is dead if works do not follow. True faith always results in the changed life and good deeds. Look at number four. We, are, we show diligence. And then number five, we show our faith by our obedience. Well, we're to know. We're to go. And going is important, but we've got to show. We've got to show people, hey, we're living the life. Not to be showy. Please don't misunderstand me. But to show. Michael Britt. He was a salutatorian at East Bladen High School. Wow. What do you have to do to be a salutatorian? I, I, what do you have to do, Christian, to be a salutatorian? Take after your mother? Oh, use what you say. Uh, man, what do you have to do to be? He was, listen, out of 600 people, this boy, young man was a salutatorian. What do you have to do to be a salutatorian? Just have good grades? Take after your mother. <laughs> Graduated from North Carolina State University in 2013. I must say as a Carolina fan, we're just getting too many state fans in this church. <laughs> Colin, you're doing good over in state, aren't you? <laughs> Started graduate school at Regent, I love this, Regent University in 2014 to pursue a Master of Divinity degree. And while he's attending, he maintains, but all we keep him doing here, a 4.0. Will you thank God? Give him a round of applause. He, he deserves it. <laughs> Next semester, he'll be taking the New Testament and theology. He has been the youth pastor at Bethel Christian Center for almost four years. And back in March of 2014... He was licensed. Today, he is to be 
ordained. Quite a, quite a step. Quite a responsibility. Quite an honor. And we count it an honor today to be able to stand here and ordain Michael that has a call on his life to go. He knows where he stands. He's going to go. But more important than the knowing and the going is the showing. He shows people how to live, how to walk, and how to serve God. And at this time, we're going to begin with the ordination service. It will not last that long. Thank you for coming, and thank you for staying with us for this great occasion. Father, we thank you for this message. I must confess to you that the knowing is not too hard for me and the going is not too hard, but sometimes I, I struggle with the showing because when I get upset or I get frustrated, I'm not too sure I always show the kindness and the fruit of the Spirit. Help me. Help us all today. If there's one man or one woman here today that does not know you, really and truly know you as their Savior and as their Lord, may they know you before they leave this place today. May they have an experience with you. That, that transformation that Michael talked of earlier, may they have a transformation in their heart. Lord, we don't have to cry. We don't, don't even have to get emotional to have an experience, but it certainly don't hurt. Help us, Lord, that we'll be willing to humble ourselves before you as the Psalmist David was willing to humble himself and have that experience of knowing you. And then, Father, help us to be willing to be open to your call, open to your command to go. Lord, Isaiah saw you high and lifted up in the temple. And when he saw you in all your, your glory and holiness, he said, woe is me. And sometimes we feel that way when we when we look at what the Bible says and, and the standard that it upholds, we say, woe is me. And then, uh, God, you commissioned Isaiah to go. Lord, there may be some Isaiahs here today other than just Michael. Help us to go. And then, Father, help us to be willing to live a life that's exemplary and the example that we should live before our fellow man whether it's on our jobs, whether it's at the filling station, whether it's at the grocery store, wherever we are, may we be willing to show forth the kindness, the love, the gentleness of Jesus Christ, your Son. Bless now as we enter into this time of dedication and ordination. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We're assembled in the name of our Lord that we may set aside Michael Britt to the office and work of the Christian ministry. Having inquired of his fitness as required by the Scriptures in doctrine and in manner of life, and especially in the inner call of the Spirit, we present him before you to receive ordination with the laying on of hands. According to the apostolic example, a recognition, and I want you to understand this, a recognition of God's call. The Holy Spirit has already called Michael to do the work of the ministry. Today, we simply recognize that calling. We approve 
of that calling. He has been ordained, and that word means he has been placed. He has been set. He has been planted. And I love this. He has also been qualified by the Holy Spirit. Let us read some scripture today at this time. Today is an emotional day. It's a day of honor. It's a day that I'm grateful to be here, to be a part of this time of recognizing the call of God. And I'm going to read the scripture today. And I just want to say that on behalf of my family and to those of you that have stood in support with Michael and with Christy, this is not only a day of of importance for Michael, but for Christy too, as they set forth on a life to do the work of God. And let me just say this before I read the scripture, because Michael uh, shared something that I didn't know he was going to share. Uh, and I, I think I need to, I, I really need to say this, I believe. When the time that he said, Dad, I will not preach, I kind of wondered where that came from. It was just out of the blue. There was no conversation going on about you ought to preach. But uh, my response, in case you wonder, was, I said, that's okay, Michael. I want you to be happy. And I want you to be what God wants you to be. And whatever it is, I want you to be a success. And I believe you will be. Whatever you want to be, I believe you can be. That was my, that was my answer. And uh, also, I did not share with the one that he mentioned that uh, uh, called him out and 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 ministered to him in California and said, you're going to preach the gospel. And this pastor who has also preached the gospel many, many years across the world is 92 years old now. He told me, he said, Michael can be an engineer. He can be a doctor. He can be anything that he wants to be, but he's also going to preach because God has called him and the anointing of God is upon him. And that was the answer. And this is why we're here today, to recognize what God has already done. I never try to call anybody to preach because that's not my job. Amen. But we are so grateful today and for this church and for the great part that all of you have had in helping to fulfill the call of the ministry. And uh, I'm excited about what God is doing. And I just wanted to share that with you because uh, uh, I know that uh, when we recognize that God has his hand on somebody, it will come forth. He can do it by revelation. He can do it by fish. Remember that story? <laughs> We'd rather go by revelation, wouldn't we? By understanding and knowing the call of God. To Pastor Westbrook and Sister Westbrook, what a blessing you have been to our family. And we want to uh, just say thank you. And verse 7, for a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, 
not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate, holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. Then we'll read from 1 Timothy chapter 3, reading seven verses. This is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, and of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous, one that ruleth well his own house having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Let's all of us stand. I want to ask Michael and Christy if they will come and stand before us. Then I will ask his parents and Christy's parents and family, not not just the parents, but the family to come, all that's family. Thank you all for coming, and we have some of Michael's friends, some came from all the way from South Carolina and, and Maryland. Wow. I want to ask all those that came uh, as friends and uh, to support them. I want you to come and stand with us also, all of you guys and gals. Come on. Come on, all of you. Something to come. Some came from South Carolina. Some came from uh, Maryland. But thank you for coming. Now I would like for the, to get the elders and leaders of the church and brothers and sisters of the church to come and let's anoint Michael with oil, lay our hands on him, and pray over him and send him forth. So if we could get some of you folks to come, we'd appreciate it. Uh, Brother Dan, 
get some oil on some of these hands, Brother Junius, Brother, Brother, uh, here we go. Brother Wallace, come on up, if you will. Brother Larry, um, come over here and get some oil on your hands. I will give him the charge and then we will pray. Michael, do you affirm in your faith in Jesus Christ and your loyalty to him as your Lord and Savior? And will you strive to show forth his spirit in all of your life and ministry? Do you affirm your belief in the scriptures of the Old and New Testament as containing the word of God? Do you affirm your determination and your study of the Scriptures prayerfully in your attitude toward God, gentle, patient, and faithful in your ministrations to the people, friendly in your relations with other Christians, and in your feelings and actions toward all races? And lastly, do you affirm your determination to give your life to the ministry of Jesus Christ, whatever difficulties may lie in your way? Now, Father, again, we thank you for the privilege that we have to ordain Michael Britt. We are glad that we are simply uh, being obedient to your word as the apostolic creed and the apostolic command, that we're simply recognizing what you've already done in his life. You've been working in his life for many years, way even back when he said, I will not preach. You were still working in his life. Thank you for that. And now we lay our hands upon Michael and we pray for him. We anoint him with all. He is already anointed with the Holy Spirit. He already, Lord, is blessed by an inward presence of your Holy Spirit, and we thank you for that. And, Lord, as we lay our hands upon him and anoint him, anoint him with a greater measure of your anointing. Anoint him, dear God, as his going out and coming in. Anoint him, dear God, as he not only stands behind the pulpit and preaches your word, but as he lives a life that is uh, an example of Jesus Christ, your Son. We pray your blessings upon him. We pray that you would give him wisdom beyond himself. And Lord, as he trains to study and abide by your word, may, dear God, he know what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. Give him wisdom, dear Father. We ask, dear Father, that you might protect him and keep him in all of his ways. And dear Father, may your word be so in him as he preaches the word to the poor, as he preaches the word to the need, the brokenhearted, those, dear God, that need to hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, whether here at Bethel or whether, dear God, around the world. You know the call that's upon his life, and we anoint him now and bless him in the name of the Father and in the name of the Son and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray for Christy today. Lord, his companion, one that has heard the call, one, dear God, that you've placed your hand upon, united them together as one person. God, we thank you for that. 
God, we ask you to be with her on her job as she teaches. Bless the students that she teaches. And may, dear God, the light of your love, the light of your word shine through Christy. May she be the helpmate that you've called her to be to Michael, dear Father. And Lord, I thank you for her willingness. I thank you, Lord, for her wisdom. I thank you, dear God, that she's obedient to you. And we pray for Christy today that your hand may rest upon her and that she might be blessed in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen and Amen. What the presence of the Lord is in this place today. And I want Michael and Christy, if they will, to come and turn around toward you. And we're going to give them the right hand of fellowship. And you can come and hug their neck and congratulate them. Father, go with us as we leave this place today. Keep your hand upon us. Lord, we pray that you'd bring us back without the loss of one. And Heavenly Father, give us traveling grace. And again, may we know you, may we be willing to go, and may we be willing to show. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you as you come in fellowship.